Hello and welcome to episode 7 of This Is Not A Book Club. Um, welcome back. I feel like we don't actually introduce ourselves. So my name is Salim. And my name is Javad. Uh, and we, we host the podcast. Yeah. Do we I think that really added so much value. It's important. I mean, we have to be Later professional. on, people watching, like, there was a pivotal moment in there the history <laughs> of the podcast. Episode 7, something changed. People were speaking, but we didn't know who they were. Yeah. We didn't know why they were speaking. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So, I'm thinking, is there anything housekeeping-wise that we need to tell people? The or? emergency exit doors? No, li- like life updates, podcast updates. Is there anything? Um... Uh, we have thumbnails now on YouTube. Oh, we have new <laughs> thumbnails. Yeah, if, if, if you're listening to this, by the way, because I, I remember someone told me that they were listening to the podcast. They didn't know we were on YouTube. We so have faces too. We have faces. So if you're, if you're listening to this exclusively, you can also watch this on YouTube. And on Spotify as well, you can watch the video whilst listening. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to be subjected to our faces, then you can also listen. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you think, I don't want to look at their faces, I just want to listen. Yeah. You can also do that via yeah. whatever. So all the links are in our Instagram bio. Mm. Um, and also, if you have been listening for a while, um, which I'm assuming some people have, then please do uh, leave us a nice rating, like five stars, ideally. Yeah. And, and uh, amazing comments about how uh engaging and interesting we are yeah i think that's very good yeah yeah they can use the same words maybe just change it a little bit so all the comments if they don't all say engaging and interesting that would <laughs> yeah. be yeah yeah I, I think that's good that's good and five star if you want to go for four don't why bother yeah just don't don't leave us make alone. yourself a cup of tea <laughs> engage in some other activity yeah um yeah should we, should we get on with should the, we live with in the, the moment yeah, yeah. all so, right the book for this episode is The Power of Now, and Salim will now give us some information about the author. <coughs> All right, let's see I'll if I can do I'll pass it on now to Salim. How are we pronouncing the name today? Eckhart Tolle? Tolle. To- to- are you sure? Well, that's how I heard them say the name. Who? Uh, in an interview he did. He was, it was him. He didn't correct them. Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. All right, let's do this. He didn't correct them. I'm hoping that's not because he's nice <laughs> internally. It's like it's just this one time. No one's going to watch this, I think. <laughs> okay, so mm. Eckhart Tolle was born in 1948 in Germany. He's a renowned spiritual teacher and author celebrated for his transformative teachings on mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Following a profound inner shift at the age of 29, Tolle emerged from years of emotional turmoil, t- turmoil to share his insights on living in the present moment and transcending the ego. His groundbreaking book, The Power of Now, catapulted him to global recognition, offering practical guidance for finding inner peace and liberation from suffering. Tolle's accessible approach to spirituality, goes, which goes beyond religious boundaries, has inspired countless individuals worldwide, making him a prominent figure in contemporary self-help and spiritual literature. And the book we're doing this week is, as mentioned, The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. few things <laughs> I wanted to say. So firstly, uh, when, I, when I first started reading and showed an interest, I remember I posted something on my Instagram asking people what books I should read, like nonfiction books. Yeah. And this one was mentioned by a number of people. So actually, it was the first book that I remember downloading on Audible because I don't read, even though this is a book club, but we'll This we'll is pass. not a book club. Oh, sorry. This isn't, you know. I there mean, you go. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. Anyways, this was the first book and I read it. And um, at the time, I was, I used to like write mini reviews and, and, and whatever of all the books that I was reading. On Instagram. On Instagram. Mm. Um, and I didn't review this book. Mm. Right. I didn't write anything. And then. Fast forward a few years, we're here. We decided to do this again because someone recommended it. I started the book 
and uh, I have to admit that I didn't finish listening to it ahead of this yeah. um, podcast. I got like literally nine tenths of the way through it, and I I couldn't continue mm-hmm. because I feel personally, and and I'll let you kind of summarize the book for people and whatever else. In fact, should we do that first before I start criticizing? You've already started, so go on. No, I think that's a good idea. Okay, fine. So so I think there's there's some real. Uh, wisdom in the book the power of now I mean my summary of it I guess is just about living in the moment defeating your ego and like addressing and identifying what these things are within yourself very similar almost to uh, Mo Godat's book that we did last episode Uh, he talks about a lot of the same themes and he Mm. he does that but with this book and maybe it's because I was listening to it but it's just like he'll say one really profound statement and then move on and say something else and then move on. And, and he, there's no time to dwell or explore or elaborate these concepts or give examples. When he does give examples, I feel that they're very short. Mm. And he speaks almost in, um, I want to say like proverbs. Mm. The whole book is like that. And I, I find it very jarring because mm. I feel like a lot of, this could just be a one-man podcast, but I can keep going. <laughs> but I, I just feel like when, when sometimes when people do this whole self-help personal development growth thing Mm -hmm. you say things in a really abstract way Mm. that kind of makes sense but at the same time like you don't substantiate it and therefore there's no way of being able to verify if what you're saying is legit or not Mm. that that's the impression you got yes even for the second time you felt like yeah so that's the thing so i read it the second time and i instantly regretted Mm. it because i was like i i am subjected subjected myself to this all over again yeah and 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 that's why I'm really um, actually happy mm. that uh, that was your experience. Not that I, oh, did, I not that I didn't want you to enjoy it. Yeah. But I think it's good because it may reflect some of the people who are listening as well. And imagine if both of us love this book, and that person may not have felt enough mm. representation on today's yeah. podcast. But now they can identify with you, well, and in this dialogue, maybe. I was going to say one more thing. I remember is the first time I read it. I felt like you're saying. I felt like, oh, you know what. Everyone's saying it's a great book. Maybe it is a great book. I'm just not like deep enough or mm. I don't understand what's going on. I'm not like spiritually aligned to these concepts. Then like the second time I read it, I was like, okay, I've read a lot of stuff now, a mm. lot more than I had at that point. I should be able to resonate with what's yeah. going on here, but still there was nothing. I get and so I would like for the first half of this podcast, we change it up slightly and we'll maybe call this like in defense of the power of now. now and you can convince me Different. and talk through what he says in the book because i think yeah. obviously we want to tell people what was actually in yeah. the book um but but yeah what, what makes yeah. it so great so maybe the the first thing we can talk about is how the power of now is almost older than most of the books which are in this field right now yeah Uh, It was published in 1997 the first time. Mm -hmm. And although it wasn't as famous early on, it took off almost when Oprah invited, or Oprah basically found out about the book, and then later on they did a series with Eckhart. So that's how in 2008-ish, it became the thing. Like almost all these references in in pop culture to live in the moment, not seize the day, that's another thing, but like live in the moment, you know? A lot of it actually comes back to this book. Like this is... It was, I think, huge mm. in, in shifting the culture. And now we have to say that, okay, since this book has been out, well, a lot of people have read it, a lot of people have used it and have tried to now find better ways of saying it. So you may find this concept expressed in a way that suits you more in another book, like perhaps chapters of Mo 
Mo's book, Mo Godat's book, was the same concept, you know, where he says, now is all you have. Mm. That's literally this book, right? But that has come, what, years after. So that doesn't mean this is not a great book. You know, uh, this is the one that started it for many people. It brought this idea to the attention of so many people. And and that's actually one of the reasons why I said that I told a lot of people read Mogodat's book because for a person who may not be able to read in this language, yeah, the same concept may have been, uh, you know, reiterated in a way that's easier for other people to relate to. So, so that's one defense of this book. Like this is how, like this is the starting point. Uh, in terms of, I, I'm, I'm conscious of obviously the first half, we do try and uh, cover the topics and, and what's discussed. Yeah. So I, I would say the first principle that he explores quite extensively is, um, as you say, that, that we only have the present. The present we only moment. have the present and the present yeah. moment. Um, one thing that he mentions that I wrote down, one of the few points that I was like, you know, I like this. Um, he said, basically, that there are no problems in the present. There, there are mm. no problems now. Mm. There are only situations that need to be accepted and dealt with or stuff that you need to, um, sorry, situations that need to be accepted or things that you need to deal with, which if you can't deal with them now, yeah. then why worry, essentially? Yeah. And he was talking just generally about um, our sort of emotional state or well-being in all situations, yeah. which I found to be very practical because... Right now, anybody listening to this probably has a million things going on in their life and a million worries and anxieties about various different issues, yeah. be it like, uh, you know, relationship issues, family issues, whatever, financial even. But it's like in this very moment, while you're sitting and listening to this podcast, can you do anything about it? And if the answer is no, then why carry the emotional burden as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I found to be quite, quite deep and profound, which is why I wrote it down. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's good actually to talk a little bit about this. This is the power of now, basically, right? So yeah. maybe we can, the whole thing about living in the moment and all of this, maybe we can open this up a little mm -hmm. bit. And basically the idea is this, that we don't experience life uh, in any moment other than this moment. Even future, our only interaction with it, it's when it comes and becomes part of the present moment. In other words, our experience is not of present, past, and future. It's just this moment. It's just this moment. Now this moment. Now this moment. This is basically where life happens. But um, because for many of us, we haven't managed to... Well, either we've been programmed out of living in the moment or we haven't found joy or peace in it. We try to find peace or joy or satisfaction in somewhere else. What does that mean? So I'm not happy where I am, but I'm like, if I get that job, then I will be happy, right? Or if I get that promotion, or if I have that thing. So what happens is I put the thing I need for my, let's say, sat satisfaction or happiness some point in the future. Mm. And because future is not what I'm experiencing right now, that means the present moment is like, I've made present moment not satisfactory for myself because I said satisfaction is when I get there. So... Even though I'm living now, but with my mind, I keep thinking about that state in the future where it will maybe be job. So that's like when you basically when you put a goal in the future and you put that goal as the source of your satisfaction, you're putting a magnet outside of the present moment that would keep taking your, your you out of that moment. Right. And 
And I think this is something that by now almost everyone, in, like anyone who's been watching podcasts, probably have heard this idea that you're even maybe sitting down with your friends, but all you're thinking about is, oh, when that thing happens. Or, and so this is one way in which, even though there is no other way other than living in the moment. Like if someone says live in the moment, Sadhguru always makes a fun like, can you live any other moment? You're forced to live in the moment, but your mind is distracted somewhere else. So there are different things outside which take us, take our attention away from this life right now. One of it is goals we have. One of it is things in the past that have upset us. We haven't moved on. So sometimes we're pulled towards the future. Sometimes we're pulled towards our past for things we haven't managed to, you know, get over. Um, sometimes th bad things that may happen in the future. So basically, we're here, this is all we have, but we're being pulled away from it. And he says, by trying to stop those magnets that are in other places and bringing yourself to now, that's where you can realize that, okay, I don't need external sources for my satisfaction. The present moment has enough to give me that peace. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I, I get you, but... Th this is the, like, I knew that already. <laughs> No, <laughs> I get you because the book no, has been discussed that, that, in a million different ways. By no, now, that, that's, that, it's not that. It's 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 more a case of um, a lot of these books, even the books that we've covered. A lot of them will 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 say similar things in different ways and approach it from different angles. So, yeah. for example, James Clear in Atomic Habits, he talks about you want to get to X place. You're not going to get there overnight. There's no point, you know, being like, oh, but I'm not at that yet. You have to work towards it and slowly, incrementally getting towards it. And that's a way of kind of bridging the gap between your unrealized future potential, which you want to achieve and you can achieve versus where you're at now. Here, here he's talking about the fact that there's a frustration and you need to learn to let go. But obviously, at the same time, still work in a, yeah. on yourself. I get towards you. But, that. but this is deeper than that. Uh, like it, and it, 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 in a fundamental way, it's different. And that's one of the reasons why it may be difficult for Eckhart to understand, because Eckhart is talking about a fundamentally different way of life. Mm. Atomic habit, it's still this way of life. It just tries to help you. In Eckhart's way, it's a complete shift. In it's like ch change the way you look at the world, basically. And live completely. In Eckhart's way, external factors should not be the source of your uh, peace, period. Mm. Full stop. Any that goal in the future, even though I will still work for it, at no point that's the reason for my life. No, I'm going to get my peace and joy from this moment. In other words, I don't need anything other than what I already have to have that peace. Yeah. And, and, and in a very fundamental way, this is different to anything else that, that is not, um, what is it called? That tries to just help us be happy with, with the external world. And this is saying at some point a person needs to decide for themselves is there anything in the external world that you can add to yourself that then you would be qualified for having peace or as a human being you already have you're already worthy of having peace and, and I, I think this is maybe the most fundamental point uh, that is there anything in the world that can give you ex at your worth and I think for most of us, the answer is yes. We feel that is yes. Mm. And that's why uh, we're pulled away from the present moment. There's also uh, a part of the book where he talks about relationships. Yeah. That I found quite interesting because mm. some of the things he mentions are things like letting go of your ego 
um, having the ability to to forgive and accept your partner in their current state of being, I guess, with all of their baggage. Yeah. Because uh, with relationships, we often have this thing where things happen in a relationship and that becomes a part of the, the present dynamic or understanding between a, a couple. Yeah. Um, but then he also, I think he said, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was talking at one point about how uh, you might be in this place of acceptance and growth and you know mm-hmm. that, that uh, feeling content within. But if your partner is not there, then it's, it's a recipe for disaster because you're unable then to, to, um, to mend and, and, and work yeah. forward together. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I get you. The, the chapter relationship, I think it's, it's very interesting. It's mm. a very good chapter. There are, there are quite a couple of things that, yeah, like this one. In Islam, actually, we have a saying that says fight only happens when both parties are not enlightened. So mm-hmm. even if one person is enlightened, it wouldn't lead to a fight. So uh, so a person who has reached that place would know how to handle even if a person is not on their journey of growth. You know what I mean? So that part may not be uh, like a, a necessary thing that only mm. both of you have to be on the journey together. But the relationship chapter was very interesting. Maybe from there, we can actually move to a, a book that you may have liked more and use that to explain some of the ideas in this book. Yeah. This uh, thingy, Michael Singer one. Oh, yeah, yeah, the surrender. Yeah. 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 Because I feel like there's... Surrender experiment. The surrender experiment, and he's got the, uh, the, the untethered soul. The untethered soul, soul yeah. I feel like he does a brilliant job of explaining a concept in this book, which is called the pain body, right? Um, Eckhart has this point that anything in your past that you didn't manage to move on, like basically, if we think about past, of the present moments that are now gone... Mm. Any of those present moments that at that moment you did not accept, it was either too painful or it was not to your liking, you kind of kept it within you. And now at any point, if something triggers that or reminds you of that, suddenly you find yourself acting like you're in that moment, right? It's like as if you're carrying a collection of moments you did not like, which are ready at any point to be triggered by someone. And, and this is very similar to, to, to what Michael Singer as well describes in that book, that he says um, you have to look at life as a, as a series of scenes being shown on a TV. And every scene that you accept will go, the next scene will come on the TV. And so like that, the experience is pleasant. But any scene that comes and you're not allowing it to either easily go, like you either like it too much or you hold on to it, or it's too bad, you like try to push it away, it stays on the TV. So like when the next moment comes, the next scene is there, but also the previous one. Mm. So that's why your experience of life is no longer fresh, because now you're looking at life through all these different scenes that you have not let go of. Eckhart calls this the pain body. So he says you are carrying all of this with you. It's almost as if you got another body made completely out of moments you did not like or moments you liked so much, but they left, you didn't let go. And so now you're experiencing life through these. Hello, if a person is not enlightened, if they, according to their words, the person they fall in love with, he says, and Michael Singer also says the same, is a person that doesn't, at least in those early years, trigger your pain body. It doesn't bring any of those bad memories out. You're like, oh, I'm happy next to this person. I feel alive. Why? Because this person doesn't trigger any of those. But he says, give people enough time to live together. Ultimately, they'll end up triggering something from the past. 
mouths and the way they brush the teeth reminds this person, oh, my uncle who I hated brushed the teeth. So that's why he says the only ultimate way for two people to be able to be in a relationship is to really heal that pain body or get rid of it. Then they wouldn't keep ending triggering themselves. Mm. So that's one thing. And another thing, Eckhart says that as long as you can't find peace in the present moment, you're always searching for it somewhere. So sometimes you hook onto your partner in order to get some some joy. So your partner becomes your drug, basically. Um, and, and that's another dangerous situation because you want your drug always with you and the way you want it. So if your partner starts changing or starts, you know, you will keep manipulating them to remain... To, so that they remain the way you want them to, to manipulate them. So, so I think that that may be a, a way to bridge this book to to the Michael Singer book, concept okay. of pain body. To you're, that. Really, you're really trying to sell it by by bringing up books that you know I like <laughs> to be like, oh, he he said the same <laughs> it's thing. A great book. The Power of Now <laughs> is a great book. I just don't get it. Um, I, I like again. I I understand. That's totally fine. No, th- th- this is the thing. Like, I'm 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 okay with that, but I. What I don't understand, I guess, is that, like, as you say, a lot of these things, when, when Mo Godot said a lot of the same things that uh, Eckhart Tolle is saying in this, I was like, yep, I love it. It's brilliant, whatever. Yeah. I can I can work with this. Then then here, there was, like, a very jarringness about it. And I, I'm trying not to bleed into the second half of the podcast because I, yeah. I wanted to kind of bring in, uh, you know, the, the criticism, critiques, whatever. But I just feel like there's... Maybe part of it is because he he just makes it very difficult in a way. Like there's a lot of work that go. It, it's nothing and also everything at the same time. Like the notion of oh, just let go of the past. Don't uh, hold on to this, that, whatever. Don't allow things to trigger yeah. you. Don't be attached to your partner in that way. Yeah, simple. Just live like you know this sage-like uh, uh, being. But the reality is, it's not that easy. Um, and I think that's the thing. And he, he keeps laboring on these points. Um, Two things. Yeah. It's not easy, 100%. Okay. Right? And then here it says one, over 5 million copies sold. It's probably an old number by now. It must be even more. Yeah. How many of those people are now living in the moment? That would be an interesting study, which means a lot of people may fall in love. But yeah, definitely it's not easy. But it's also not easy when more Godat says it. Right, so the application does not become easier, no matter yeah. how it's set. It's really a difficult thing. But what does Mogodat do to make it more readable? For example, is that he lowers the concept and tries to, uh, although sometimes, but sometimes he he keeps it high. Like for example, that uh, video game chapter, the concept was still at its high place. But in some places in the book, he lowers it to a place where Everyone can benefit from mm. it. And that's why it's easier to understand. You know, it's, it's like, for example, imagine a mathematic formula when you want to understand it there, or you understand that formula when it's used for a specific case. Can I give you a funny example, by the way? Go on. You know how, I don't know, how did you learn math? math? Like, was it because I learned math a few years here and a few years in another country, but often it had a lot of these examples. For example, uh, talking like childhood mathematics, right? Uh, let's say Salim has two oranges. Javad brings two oranges. How many oranges do they have now? I was like, four. I heard this story so profound. It had to do with like basically how some people really don't have the privileges others have. You know, a teacher goes to this village 
and he starts asking them question that okay imagine someone has two oranges and the other friend gives them two oranges how many oranges do they have and he sees that all the children are looking at him puzzled and he's like yeah, these village kids they they don't know maths they must be really dumb and then he afterwards talks to them and it is they don't know what an orange is they've never had an orange you know wow. they've never had fruits that fruit yeah and this is very interesting I mean, did the concept not make sense was the concept wrong? no we usually as human beings understand concepts easier when it comes to us through an example that we're very familiar with mm. and if you change for example potato to a fruit i haven't had in my life what is that mm. so that's why the power of now is talking about these concepts often at a level of the formula yeah you know okay and now take one point here bring it down find an application for it you can even write a book with that and if from this book you can t create 10 you more can, books yeah yeah i understand um, but that's why also Eckhart is deep because to speak at this level it's not any person's task so in 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 a couple of minutes uh I, I, are there any other concepts in the book that you wanted to explore or bring up yeah, yeah, I think so. So the main thing uh, we talked about it, living that present moment is all we have. The fact that pain body is what disrupts this present moment for us. Because things happen now, trigger something else, and we give a reaction that this moment really does not deserve. Um, and he also talks about ways of, as these magnets are pulling us away from the present moment, how to bring us back to the present moment. So, for example, he talks about meditation as a practice in that capacity and it, it, as a way to keep anchoring yourself in the present moment. And I love the word anchor because it means there are these waves that are going to take us away from where we are right now. So we need these things to, to anchor ourselves, present moment. He talks about um breathing exercises feeling your inner body etc that's i think something interesting about the book and also this idea in the book which is so profound the idea that there is within you something that if you shine it at some of the problems or worries you have it can melt them so he says i'm jealous he says what's the best way to deal with your jealousy he says become aware that i'm jealous and if there are two states we can either have, either I'm living the jealousy, and he, I f like I'm feeling it. Oh, why is Salim, for example, more handsome than me? Why is he like that? Oh, and I'm there. And sometimes he says, try to like disidentify from that and watch it. Oh, I find within myself thoughts and emotions of jealousy. And this, although that was an interesting point we should have mentioned about the book as well that he talks about the importance of thoughts you're not your thoughts you're not your emotions but this is a good example of talking about it yeah it says the moment you find this deeper place inside and you look at the thoughts and emotions that shining shining that at those thoughts and emotions is the best way to heal them and this is a profound idea so um, yeah half an hour just about. Uh, let's get through the ratings. So, readability. I really enjoyed it. I would give it a, a, a nine. By the way, one thing we failed to mention, the book is actually structured in terms of question and answers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they have chosen two Salims in the book, although in the audio book there were two Salims. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know male and, and female yeah and the idea was this that every chapter started with one of them like saying I don't get this I don't like this 
and he would explain, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they had incorporated the Salim within the book. They anticipated this podcast. They, they anticipated, but still didn't help you. You didn't identify with those people who were asking those questions. No, because I thought their questions were stupid as well. Oh wow, <laughs> wow! I'm 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 not uh, easy to please, but in terms of readability, as I said, I think I gave it like a three or a four. Obviously, we did listen, or I, I did listen rather than read. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's a little bit too dense, and um. As you said, he speaks at the level of like the formula. Mm. Uh, so I that's not my vibe, I guess, when it comes to these things. Yeah, this is more maybe of a bedside table book. You you read a few pages yeah, before you go exactly, to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, read like one of the chapters. Well, not even a chapter, one of page. the... Page. Page? With, with the other book, A New Earth, that's literally what I would do. Read a page and let, you, you can't take it more than a page, mm. which... Yeah, some books are to be, you know, taken like that. Yeah, like the dictionary. Yeah, some books are. Sorry. Like the dictionary. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, that's that's no, the only thing I can compare Actually, it to. I would read it faster because I was so excited <laughs> to see what comes next. <laughs> um, it's usually in alphabetical order. No, the word. As, as I know it's the okay. same, but which word is it? Those were pre-Instagram days, man. <laughs> Reading dictionary to to remain. I would also sometimes. This is pre-internet as well. Read Argos catalog just because there was nothing else to do. Wow. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a hard life for you, but I'm living in the moment. Like okay. I healed that pain body. <laughs> Argos catalog was fun. I don't know why. No, no, it, it was Argos. Um, especially in Argos, where they had like the pages all laminated. There you go. And you could flick through really quickly. Uh, practicality of the book. Practical. If someone wants to apply it like to their life situations, I don't know. But for life, it's the most important thing ever. So. Yeah, so I, I was torn in terms of like the rating for this. I, I gave it a five because I feel like, as you say, like if you are able to practically apply this stuff, then that's fine. But I don't think he necessarily entirely gives you the roadmap. Like you mentioned, he'll give examples of, of breathing techniques and, and things to you know, think yeah, about and yeah. whatever else. That's a new earth for those type oh, of really? practice. Yeah, he takes this teaching yeah. into a new earth, into like more practical how can I live life like that? So if people want more practical, mm -hmm. a new earth is a... I actually, f funnily, I read a new earth first. Okay. It's a much better place to start if someone doesn't like too deep yeah. stuff. Yeah. L let's give it like three, four seasons of the podcast and maybe we'll we go can... go for a new yeah, earth. I'm a bit scarred at the moment from... Uh, <laughs> this yeah. is my second I time reading Eckhart this. I does not watch this. Okay. Um, depth, the quality of insight. Oh, 10. Yeah, yes. so, so far this is the deepest book we've read in in this podcast. Yeah, I, I won't I won't fault it. Like uh, I'll, I'll give it a nine simply because maybe I didn't even get everything that was in there. Yeah. I think there is a lot. Like that's the thing; it's almost too much. Like I said, it's not. You know, when I all my criticism of the book is not based on the quality of the content or the insight. It's just the presentation of it. Yeah, because hundred percent everything he's saying makes sense, but it's just almost too much for me i think at, yeah. at, at one but uh, you know yeah but but yeah i, I think yeah I, I get your point i really get your point but i would really at least in my humble opinion among the many books i've seen this is the deepest especially in those places where the gate becomes very fuzzy he still keeps a very good balance of yeah remaining but to be honest the fact that the, the number of people that that generally recommend it and read it and talk about it I think means that this book does resonate with a lot of people. And, I, and I'm glad. It's yeah. a good thing. I mean, yeah. 5 million copies sold, as you mentioned, is not a small number. Yeah. So, so 50 languages. Clearly, there are people. Although that doesn't, that says that it's yeah, resonated with people, but that doesn't so, uh, say much about the depth. Mm. Because, uh, but, but the depth is still very high too. 
All right, so uh, to kick off the the epilogue, the second half of the podcast, I wanted to start, um, I guess, by just asking one simple question, which is um, about how we actually begin to do this, because I think there's it's all well and good um, talking about the power of now and living in the moment and whatever else and, and disidentifying from our past and our future and whatever else, but... I feel like that's a struggle that this is basically answering the fundamental problem that we as human beings have. Mm. Um, how do we begin to actually implement and do this? Because I would love to live the version of reality that Eckhart Tolle talks about. Mm. That would be amazing. Mm. But I've read it twice now, well, 1.9 times. I can't see myself um, necessarily any closer. I do remember actually, you know when you spoke about this idea, um, you spoke about uh, oh god the, the thought has left me I'm not in the now what did you speak about you have to fill the silence what I think to start speaking and then I'll yeah no I was just uh, <laughs> lost in the present moment enjoying <laughs> the <laughs> uh, sound of the birds coming outside it's, it's fully gone let's just move on it's um, okay so do you want to begin to answer or address that point just about generally past future and and beginning to be in the now. Okay, okay, very good. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, it says even says a guide to spiritual enlightenment. Now, spirituality is really like a, a word thrown a lot in, in the culture. Hmm. Uh, some people, it's everything for them. Some people almost have like an allergic reaction to it. Now, <laughs> spirituality again. Um, but wh whatever we want to call it, I think for every person, for the majority of people, unless they are really talented at distracting themselves from, from life, there will come a moment. There's different ways into this moment, but there will definitely come a moment where you realize that life as I know it, which for many of us is we're playing this character. Although he calls it the ego. Um, we realize playing this life as an ego will not uh, give me that meaningful satisfaction that I want. Mm. That moment is a pivotal moment for every person's life, and there are different ways to it. Sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes, like Mo, is is when you're actually you've got everything the ego wanted. You've got the pool, all of that. You're like, I'm still not happy. Is this all there is to life? For some point, it's 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 a suffering. They lose a loved one and they're like, okay, with this person out of the game, I don't think this game will ever give me that meaningful thing I want. So ultimately, that's what we're talking about. That moment in any person's life where at least for a few seconds, like, oh, is this all there is? Is this character that wakes up every day, has dreams about his career or her career relationships? And so... That moment, that realization, then you, if, if you don't distract yourself from it, you start working with it. You slowly, slowly, it, 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 it's like, um, it's like when you have, for example, a photo, you know these things that you scratch and reveals something underneath? Initially, you may not even know there's a photo underneath it, but the moment there's one crack on it, and that's that realization, is this all life is? Mm. then if you don't distract yourself, keep scratching, keep scratching, another layer of your own presence will reveal to you. And that's what he, for example, calls living life, not at the level of thought and ego, but that consciousness behind it. 
that's what Mogodat is saying, that this character that you think you are is not who you are. This is a character you're playing in a video game. But who are you? You're that one there. If we accept that, and not everyone will come to this realization easily, but once a person accepts that, okay, if this is not who I am, then also means that the life around me I've understood it wrong. I was playing a game. If this is a character in a game, all these things I was achieving, these are things you achieve in a game. It's like the wins in a monopoly. As soon as you let go of the monopoly, they mean nothing. So then you're like, okay, if this life is all of us sitting at a monopoly table and that job, that degree, that house, these are the gains on the monopoly, what are the real gains? What are the things that's not just for me as a player, but for me as a, as a being? You know what I mean? Because imagine if all our gains is the gains on the Monopoly, the hotels and whatnot, the moment the game is over, like I have nothing. But if, as I'm playing the game, I also make a friendship with the person next to me, like I'm kind to them, we make that relationship. Even once the Monopoly is over, my, I'm still happy. I became friends with the person next to me. I got to know. So then you start looking for those type of things. What does my person, not my character, want? And then you realize, wow, all it wants is already there. I was chasing for my joy in the video game, that is this life as we know it, hmm. but there's another level of life which in which I already have all I want. And so it's accessing that that becomes enlightenment or spirituality. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, <clears throat> and you reminded me what I was going to say is that the first time I read it, I remember this concept of being the watcher, mm -hmm. being the person behind that yeah. is observing your thoughts. And yeah. I found myself at times of being angry, for example, being able to look at myself mm. and see anger inside me, mm -hmm. but not at a core level, but you, you can actually physically detach exactly. and say yeah. there is anger mm -hmm. in my body or mm -hmm. in my mind or whatever, but that's not me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I can still choose to be at peace. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is that that's almost as far as it went for me, mm -hmm. just identifying and not actually fully being able to, to, to withdraw and almost progress through the levels of this self-understanding realization um, thing yeah. that, that he's promoting. Yeah. So, so that's exactly what I'm saying. See, the moment you disidentify from the, let's, let, let's say this is the thought and the emotions or what's not. Yeah. Let's say the moment you disidentify with that, you're also doing something else. You're like, oh, that's not who I am. Because previously, I thought, I'm oh, this guy who gets angry, who gets this, who gets that, who wants this, who wants that. The moment you do this, something starts for you. You realize who you're not. At least in this moment, I'm not, I'm not that angry. But I'm watching the anger. If I'm watching it, it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. Even for Eckhart, that's how he starts. He says, at some point, I was like, I can't live with myself. And he said, I was like, I can't live with myself. There's two of us. So this thing that I call myself and I can't live with it, that's not me. Then he needs to figure out who he is. Now, the figuring out who I am is not going to be the easy part. It's like, for example, in our tradition, we have teachings that say the most important thing in your life that you could do is to figure out who you are. There's like another tradition that says if there's one thing that if you manage your whole life to just gain this one thing you've done your job is to figure out who you are. And those moments like that, when you're watching yourself be angry, that's like, okay. Now, if there's extra motivation within you to now figure out, okay, why is this thing that's watching that? Yeah. 
then perfect a journey starts and that journey is so fascinating but often as you said what happens is that it's a moment we get this or we'll go back to it or we find this distance and for I feel like a lot of people who've done meditation for long or read these books they're in this place in which they know they're not the emotions and thoughts but they still have not figured much about what this thing is that mm. I am Right? Okay, I know I'm not those emotions and thoughts, but what is this blob of, you know, thoughtless, emotionless consciousness that I am? Am I happy being that? And that's where we know that the journey hasn't gone to level two. Um, so, 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 yeah, it, it, it's not meant to be easy, but there's definitely ways to go about doing that. But I feel like maybe the main trouble we have is that at some point we need to accept that what we want in life is not to be chased outside. Because see, do you know one of the reasons that pushes us back to identifying with the thoughts and emotion is what? A lot of the things we love or can only be loved if you're there. And it's the ego that gets angry and jealous, but it's also the ego that really enjoys that promotion. It's the ego that really enjoys that massive house or whatever, yeah. or being better than the other podcasts. So because some of the things that give us joy are also through the ego, a lot of times we jump back to the ego, even though it means more jealousy, it means anger, right? Till a point comes in our life where we're like, you know what, forget about all of its joys. I, you know, I, I let the whole thing go. Mm. But for most of us, the joys of the ego take us back to the ego, the distractions, the pull, also the culture around us that doesn't help us much. Um, yeah. But again, this is, this is my issue with this is that when it comes to how we exist in a family, in a relationship, in a community, as you say, in a work environment, for example, we're bound by our physical selves. We're bound by our physical existence in terms of our need for sustenance and providing a roof over our heads and whatever else. So at some level, we have to be driven in those ways. Uh-huh, okay. Do you okay. get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So so now what you're saying is this, if if, we, if I can use the metaphor of video game, yeah. saying we have to play this character mm. and the character needs to go to work because if the character doesn't go to work, the character will see that tomorrow there's no milk in the fridge. Yeah. Right? Okay. He doesn't say don't do those things. He's saying there's two ways of even playing the game. And the character can either go to work and thinking this is all there is and then go with the ego to work or you can go to the work not as an ego. And imagine, and I've tried this by the way, let me give you an example. <laughs> it, it sounds a little bit silly. Uh, a lot of the times, let's say you want to do an application that's really important for you, right? The ego is like, if I don't get this application, I'm gonna, life is gonna end. Everything is gonna collapse because ego is like that. It can collapse very soon. Once, and that's why I usually find the process of application, if it's for myself, it's like something I don't want to do. It's like so stressful. I was applying for someone else, exactly the same procedure. And I was like, the outcome doesn't really matter for me. You know, like, I'm going to be okay no matter what. Mm. Like, I really hope they get it, but it's not as crucial for my ego if yeah. they get it. So I went through the whole process and I was like, I'm not that invested in the outcome. And it was such a smooth process. I was like, wow, so you can come to this office, do all of this paperwork and not start the fight, not hate everybody and still have a fun time. 
And that was one of those moments I was, okay, so I could do the same thing for me as well if my ego is not so scared of what's going to happen in that application, if I don't think my whole life depends on this. Yeah. Right? So a lot of it actually goes back to this, that the ego is scared. Ego thinks ego needs to protect us. And the smallest thing that goes wrong, that's one of the reasons more go that says control is big for us. Because ego says, I'm alone in this world. I need to control everything. But Eckhart would say, once the ego goes away, then this other presence comes that's not as scared as about this particular outcome. It knows that even if this thing doesn't work out, there'll be another way. We'll be ultimately fine. Yeah. Right? So... Um, so, so that's the thing. You go, you do all the work, everything, but not from this place of my everything depends on this. It's like imagine you really believe that hotel in Monopoly is yours, and if someone wants to take it away from it, from you, you—it's like my, it's like you're taking me. You know, this is a game. I'll play it. Yeah. All of the true spirituality, which I think he speaks about in the New Earth, is to still be in the game, play it really seriously. But know that this is not life. This is just a game. My teacher once said, you have to be in this world. He said there are two types of people. You have to be the third. He said some people play the game as if it's all there is. Yeah. Some people realize it's a game. They sit down. Why should I work? It's all a game. And a lot of people who have no motivation to engage in life. It's not life they're not motivated for. It's this game. A lot of people who are, I feel like, low they're like, I don't want to play this game. That's what they mean. They've realized it's, 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 it's stupid. But he said the third way, which is, I think, the spiritual way, is you realize it's a game, but you still play it very seriously. But like who? Like an actor. An actor that may engage in a fighting scene very seriously, but the moment the director says cut, puts the sword down and goes. You know? And I go into work. I try to work for everything. But the moment I have to go, okay, I'm gone. You know? Uh, so, so I think that's maybe... Um, the good balance. I wanted to ask you as well. Usually in the second half of the podcast, we'll, or you will mainly kind of critique and criticize and, and find flaws in the arguments presented. Sometimes quite scathing at other times, well, respectfully, obviously yeah. other yeah. times uh, you're quite complimentary with a, with a book like this. Mm. Um, what ha- did you find any, any flaws or anything that you found incongruent with your understanding of, spiritual enlightenment or the reality of life in general? Mm. Yeah, so so not incongruent, but I would say that uh, it, 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 he doesn't mention the whole, the whole uh, picture. And I think that's why a lot of people find it difficult to, to then get there. They know it, they like it, but it may not happen for a lot of people. And I feel like because... Uh, this is not a one person's journey. It's not something a person can do on their own. Life is a relationship with the source of life. And enlightenment or getting to that place where we uh, manage to always be there, detach from the thoughts, pain, ego, and all of that, mm-hmm. but also not remain in that limbo. Find home. Find who we really are. It seems like that part of it, it's it's not something we can do on our own. We have to be taken home. A lot, we can either use God or whatever. I, I don't want to get into these discussions. It's obvious what I mean. I mean, that reality who created life, the source of life. It's not even created life as if life is separated from it. It's the core of life, the fountain of being. It's that reality that can take you home and help you not being stuck there. 
So some of the, uh, with, with a lot of spiritual teachers, this happens. They one day or through an incident, they find themselves there, and then they're like, they're trying to find, trace their way back. But in reality, they didn't get there. They were taken. I ask Eckhart, you were 29, you were depressed. How did you become enlightened? You hadn't read your own book, right? He even says, I didn't even know what happened to me when he found it. It was given to him. Hmm. Why is it given to him? So that he comes and tells people there is such a state. But the mistake someone could make is, I got there, now I can tell you how to get there too. No, no one can tell others how to get there. All we can do is share our own experiences with other people, but ultimately, this is one part which I think it's really lacking in books like this, and if someone pays attention to this, their journey will be much easier. Ask that source of life to take me back home. Like, You know how I said the reason why a lot of us fall back into the ego because we're so scared. The ego is so scared. I can't take care of myself. I need something to be happy. I need this. I need that. The only point in which this will go away, and it wouldn't lead to another thing that this is all pointless if it's all a game, is if you realize it's not, it is a game, but it's not a game that's pointless. It's a game in which it gives you the opportunity to start a relationship with the source of life. And imagine, if it's just you and a monopoly, you realize life is a monopoly, what's the point of it? But you realize, oh, it's a monopoly, but there's also another person in the room, right? God, or whatever you want to call it. And this game was my opportunity to, to have a relationship. I'm not alone. This is so important. You're not going on this journey yourself. There's another reality, and how it feels is that being in a relationship with that reality is a million times more fun than anything we've experienced in this in this world. So, so that's one thing that I would think would complement the book. There's one uh, practical tip that he mentions in the book, uh, which I found or I think resonates with kind of what you're saying. He talks about the negative attachment that people have to words. Mm. So he even mentions a concept like God, for example. Yeah. He says that when when you hear that word, for example, or when an atheist or a Buddhist or whoever, a million things. it means a million things. Yeah. And so he's even like when he's, he says that when he's talking about specific concepts, try to strip back all the, the dogma yeah. and the kind of misuse yeah. of these terms by uh, religious authorities and whoever yeah. else and anyone that's corrupted these things for you and get back to the essence. Yeah. And I found that quite a, a pure um way of looking at the world yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. because unfortunately that's what's happened right exactly. everything's become so riddled with yeah. dogma yeah uh, that we, we can't actually use these terms or connect with these terms without it being yeah. perceived in a certain yeah. way exactly exactly and, and and that's the problem because i can imagine like an atheist or an ex-muslim hearing the word god Ooh, i can see the images almost in their head yeah. and, and none of them are what's comes to my mind, for example, when I hear about God, you know? So, so we have that problem for sure. And it's really sad because it, that reality, who's unfortunately has the worst PR in the world, uh, it's very essential. And I think maybe the best way to talk about that reality, well, look, I happily call God, I don't have problem with that. Although at some point in my life, I really had, like it was really tainted by the acts of religious people for me. But now I'm okay with it. Like, Maybe the best way of that is to find that reality in relationships to ourselves. Like God is not that uh, extra thing out there that created the world. No, God is, uh, you know, the source of me. You know, like in some, like I need to find God in a relationship with myself. And, and so maybe in another book we can talk about that. Mm. 
then you realize, I said, I don't care about other people. If even no one in the world existed, I still, just looking within me, would have found that there has to be another being out there. And uh, like even a lot of, for example, self-knowledge, who am I, goes back to that. Because we as people who think we can control everything, very soon in life, if we're observant, we realize there's so many things about myself I don't know, I don't control. Like I feel like if I get this, I'll be happy. I go there, I'm not happy. I feel like, you know, I... What am I? Like, who am I? The more you think about that through yourself, you can then find, like, I'm in relationship with something but else. I think this is the, the 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 bit where people get lost. Maybe where I got lost mm. as well. Where okay, I can begin to disidentify with my life and my situation, whatever. But then there's almost a void on the other side because, like you said, you know, figuring out who you are or creating that relationship that you're talking about, that connection. We don't know. It, it, it's it's almost emptiness because exactly. because like it's almost it's like our void. radio frequency is not even yeah. uh, on the right station. So yeah. it's just white noise. Yeah. So it's a lot easier being in the ego, being in the Absolutely. self, being in the world, Absolutely. being the actor. Yeah. Than actually cut and then okay, what yeah. happens now? Yeah. Because yeah. you're just standing in a void. Yeah. Um, and that's I, I think that's the, the the scary reality for a lot of people. And then you know when we talk about spiritual enlightenment as, as it says on the cover of this book um really speaking that there's a lot of questions that need to be answered by yourself and like you said it's not something that somebody somebody can tell you yeah um, you can get advice you can think but it all has it's, to come you from to within. Do it yourself yeah yeah no i absolutely get you that avoid mm. is the reason most people jump back to the ego and that void is crazy, oh! Although for some people who are, uh, some people live at the void. By the way, really? I've been with people who live in the void, and it's really painful. It's it's like, it's imagine, as you said, like you explained it very beautifully. Like you no longer get the frequency of the ego. You haven't managed to get your home, like the actual frequency yeah. of God or whatever, and you're in the middle with no frequency going, and you're just like, okay, it's like being stuck in 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 a black hole. It's like when you're on the M1 in between cities, it's, it's, yeah. and you're just not picking up anything. M1 is even worse than black. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, like m maybe maybe we're doing a disservice to black holes. Here. Yeah, um, was, but I, but I get, and 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 the thing is this, but the thing is this, Salim, mm. the void doesn't go anywhere. The void is beneath every moment of our life. And it, all we're doing, it's, it's like, imagine, I, I don't want to go there. It may be like not, yeah. It, the, what was, I had this beautiful, funny example, you which is like it. maybe in the bloopers or something. <laughs> but the void is always there. Yeah. That's why life is not fully satisfactory. And it, all we're doing is distracting ourselves. We're escaping to, to, to something, to not fill the void, but the reality is that the void is still messing everything up. And that's why we're not enjoying our children. We're not enjoying parks in the sense that, like, when I say we don't enjoy parks, someone may say, what do you mean? I enjoy parks. Oh, wait till you see what parks are. Wait till you see, like, like imagine those, like, honeymoon periods we had with our partners. We had a honeymoon period with life as well as kids running around. Have you seen kids? They're like always running. It's like life for them is a beautiful game. Oh, I mean, mm. if they're in a good condition, not like David Goggins, poor thing. That's life. That's not for kids. You need this thing, the void. We did not really fully escape from it. We accepted it. 
اصلا it's like we've accepted that yes adults have to be grumpy life needs to look like this I was going to ask if I can interrupt you at yeah. what point do you think that enters our lives because like you say kids newborns don't have this sense of ego and 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 in fact I'm remembering now Mo, Mo Go that talks about the development of the ego in yeah. life and whatever else but at what point did we become so engrossed in life or is it just something that from day one we've always had and I guess the, the follow-on from that is is there a is there a way of nurturing kids in such a way that they are able to live in a way that we're describing yeah. here or do you have to hit adulthood and then learn to no, disassociate? No, 100%. In fact, the, the, the thing is, the, the formation of ego per se is not really a problem. And even for who we are, it's good to get into the game. But if the person, the child, is in a family in which the adults in the family have gotten out of the void, then the kid will get through their ego and naturally come out of it very beautifully. Like it would be such a smooth transition, mm. you know? And it, in fact, we can say that an unhealthy ego will never be formed, right? Certain things will happen because you need to feel a sense of separation to then find that place back. That's that's part of it, the, as in why we're here, I think. But the best thing I think parents could have done for the children was themselves to have found it. And as long as we're always in this place between the void and the ego and we haven't found that place, we ultimately, whatever we do, will push the kid to the ego. And there's, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's why for many parents, it's not their anyone's fault, right? It's not a judgment. No one did it for us. So culture, parents, society, school is what programs people into this unhealthy ego. And it, it, it's like we're, the way the world is set right now is guaranteed for 99% of people to almost be pushed into this unhealthy way of living. And, and this is why I think like people like Eckhart at some point try to speak a little bit more dull because in order to break free from all of this, it's not about, oh, let's live a little bit of a better life. Let's get more... Uh, let's procrastinate less. Let's make a few more goals. Let's lose weight. Nah, it needs a fundamental shift in the mm. way we live. And this needs to happen at the level of society. And it, we gener genuinely need to accept that this thing we've called life and we accepted it is not life. Life is much better. And we need to collectively start thinking all together how can we envision a different life? You know that book, The Myth of Normal? That's one of the themes, for example, Gabor also talks about. He says, this thing we call normal is not normal. Life is not meant to be like this. Mm. You know, suicide rates going so high. Uh, depression rates over the roof. Um, generally, people, you know, feeling like everyone is feeling. I feel like a lot of people who, for example, get depression, these are some of the most beautiful souls out there. You know, you know, you know. There's that acronym, uh, weird, westernized, indu industrialized, Western industrialized, yeah. uh, democratic. Yeah. I, I can't remember the order. Yeah. I've heard that mentioned in a few books now when yeah. they talk about uh, Western societies. Yeah. And I think it's so apt because, like you said, you know, we've come to accept uh, our circumstances normal, yeah. our way of living, our understanding of reality. But yeah. like you're saying, it's not normal. There's a there's a fundamental almost flaw in in the way we exist. Um, that I think a lot of these thinkers and writers and philosophers are trying to address. Yeah. Yeah, and now the problem is universal almost. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, but a lot of people are feeling it. A lot of people are feeling life should not be like this. 
and and I feel like all of these are maybe the where the plant is getting out of the ground, mm. you know, uh, and so even for example, people, you know, it, it, that's the interesting thing of like how common this idea has become, and, and and it seems like I feel like really humanity is in like it, it's much more accepted like a, a concept like this, but I feel like now maybe how much time do we have? Okay, we can keep that for another. Wrapping up, yeah. <laughs> we can keep how, that. How deep were you gonna go? No, that was quite deep. Okay. Yeah, we can keep. I can it lighten for... it completely. I have a question. I've been burning to ask. Okay, you. let's go for that then. Completely. I mean, it's related-ish. You mentioned Monopoly like six, seven times yeah. now. What's your favorite set? I've been wanting to ask you the whole podcast. I don't know why. Like, do you know what color, or do you not play Monopoly? Is it just no, I play Monopoly, yeah, so but so it hasn't got to a place. When where you spoke about owning that hotel, for me, yeah. that's Regent Street. Oh, like, is when it? When I get a hotel on Regent Street, that's, Street you're I'm, like, I'm I've good. made it in the life. The green set is like my default go to. You yeah. have one? No, not really. For me, it's like I want them all. Oh, really? Yeah, a new person. Really you got to start building somewhere. Yeah. Do you not have like a? No, no. I'm like this. I'm like wherever I get an opportunity, yeah. I get in. And I'll start building my way from there. But obviously, the more expensive one, uh, like, who wouldn't want that? But have you seen, like, we're almost a different person when we play Monopoly. Or at least a lot of people are. Mm. Like, and that's so interesting because the difference between who we normally are and yeah. what we show in a Monopoly or in yeah, different yeah. games, it's really the difference between where we are right now, where we can be. Like, you know, in Monopoly, it goes one level forward, but there's also another level it can go back. That's why I asked the question because I knew you'd have yeah. like a deep. Uh, I ruined it. You wanted to end <laughs> on a light note. I ruined it. <laughs> Stop pulling us back. I'm yeah, trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I I think like, unfortunately, like with all of the the books that we cover, these podcasts could be a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and there are so many themes, but I I think it's nice to to dabble, and obviously we want this to be almost a companion to people reading the books. Yeah. Um, and we want to explore the themes and. Uh, start conversations i guess around these things and get yeah. people thinking in a supplementary way to the content of the book um but yeah let's let's i guess call it a day there yeah for next time we had a brief next discussion book. and we wanted to kind of change the tone a little bit so this book i have no problem with reading again or listening to again um it's never split the difference by chris voss mm -hmm. it's a book by a former fbi negotiator who talks about, I guess, um, ways to, to to deal with people mm. in terms of negotiating and, and doing deals and everything, basically. Like these amazing tips and tricks and just means of of existing and, and, mm. and living and interacting with people and communicating generally. And, and the stories throughout are fascinating. I mean, I, I, I love the book a lot. It's going to be interesting because there are things that I want to address in the second half, which we can discuss. But... Yeah, that's that's the next book. Have you read it, by the way, before? No, no. That's why I'm splitting the difference. No, <laughs> no. I, I actually don't split the difference, but I've never read the book. Yeah. So I'm excited to read it because I mentioned. I remember you mentioning it a, a while ago. I, th and yeah, you I really told you liked about it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. Never split the difference. Never split the difference. Um, and that's a that's a wrap for this episode. And uh, do not forget, this is not a book club. That was good. That's like seven, eight out of ten. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Seamless. I'm going to ruin it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll take it. We'll take it. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, uh, let's call it a day. Are we done? Oh, audience. This episode is... That's how we can find it. We get people to, to come oh. and watch a live recording if you've got to pay for your, for your seat. Honestly, we should.